We're stuck in a rainstorm with a surrogate black widow. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. Another week, another big lot of movie releases for you. And Van and I, as ever, are super excited. In fact, do you know what? At time of recording, both Van and myself have walked straight out of the big film of the week and straight onto this podcast. So we're going to hold you in suspense a little bit, but I'm pretty sure you can guess what it is. Uh, the Probably, week yeah. <laughs> but um, let's kick off uh, this week with a, a movie that both of us have caught um, this week. It's called The Surrogate, uh, which is out on theatrical. Um, it is the story of um, three people, two, uh, two a, a gay couple. A gay um, married, it's a gay married couple and one of them's best friends. I thought they were all friends to be. Yeah, it's, it's only she's friends with I think Chris Peretti's character. Yes, yes, and yeah. she is also playing their surrogate. Um, mm. And everything is very exciting, going swimmingly, until they get the news that um, it, it looks like the the unborn child is going to potentially have Down syndrome. So, um, are you guys going to go to that community center that Nadine mentioned? Um, I don't know. We haven't really talked about it yet. I. Um... I mean, I, I knew somebody with Down syndrome growing up, so... Oh, you did? I don't, I don't really... Yeah, my friend Kelsey's brother. Oh. Well, um, aren't you curious to get a sense of the community here? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we just have to find out when they're open. Oh, it's every afternoon except Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that point in the movie as well, as well, which you can tell sort of which way, you know, from their reactions to think the story's going to go. I personally, I thought this was quite a sharp, very talky, very astute. Like, it, it was quite thoughtful. And in the drama, I think uh, the, the, un, the undisputed star of this, if it's not Jasmine Bachelor as Jess, as the, the lead character, who, this is her first film as well. For, oh, is it? A couple of, a couple of small TV roles. I think this is a couple like NCIS guest spot kind of things. Wow. But uh, this is her first movie. But it's it's the dynamic between her as the performer and Jeremy Hirsch as the writer director. I think is incredible. I think the, the the two supporting cast they're not they're not they're not slacking on the the supporting cast either. Chris Chris Perfetti is his name. Sorry. Perfetti, yeah. And you've got Sullivan Jones, and Sullivan Jones is the one who is not her friend. Who's very yeah. very robotic? He's got kind of a robotic monitor. Well, he's right? kind of in the he's kind of in the wings mm. a little bit on this whole yeah. thing. Like you want it Not to be the trio. No. Yeah. And and what I liked about Jasmine Bachelor's uh, role as Jess is she's kind of obviously this news is heartbreaking to to Josh and Aaron the couple in this scenario, yeah. and she tries to find the positive in it, which I think is the mm. role of a best friend is to find that positivity. Um. I enjoyed this movie to a point. I don't think it's going to set the world on fire. I think it's... Um, it won't. It, no, no, no. It, it, it absolutely won't. But I do think this is the kind of thing that on Sky Cinema in particular could mm. find a decent water cooler audience. Yes. Because I think it is a film that you will you would talk about with your mates. You would be down the pub and say, no, I watched this really interesting drama last night about this surrogate. It is that, because it does get you think. We literally did it in the car the day after watching it. We had the conversation you know, about this movie because it sticks with you, which I think is the yeah. sign of something at least pretty good. I think it's very, I think the thing is as well to go into this, and we were just chatting about this off air, is mm. it, it's almost like a fly on the wall, hipster, 
almost touching on documentary kind of feel to it. You're just involved in their lives. Nothing like nothing overly cinematic happens. You're just observing, which might grate on some people. Do you know what? On, on that note, you've just touched on something quite quite brilliant there in, in describing it in that way, because the film is very engrossing in its drama. So much so that I don't know if you noticed. The film has no music. Oh, no, I like, didn't specifically. know. There's no score, there's no soundtrack, nothing. It is stark silence, that is it. The film's audio track is entirely dialogue-based. And you don't notice this. No. Which is fascinating. I watched the whole thing, it's only about 85? Yeah, minutes, hour and a half, that. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I didn't realise this until I was reading through some production notes afterwards. And I was like, oh my God, okay, fascinating. That's the sign of something that works. You know, they say the sign of good editing is you don't notice the editing. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even notice that there is no score there because you are so brought into the atmosphere of it. I thought it was great. I, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I mean, now that you say it, I I I, I don't know if I like that or not. Now that I think about it, right? I'm a bit confused. You you messed up but, my experience. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But you're thinking about it, and that's the point, yes. isn't it? Because it yes. sticks with you. It's something you can still mull over, and you can still think about, and you can yeah. still just ponder upon and on top of just being a really good drama i thought just yeah. a really solid drama and i think for uh, jeremy hirsch in particular a really great calling card of what he's capable of I yeah think absolutely really yeah yeah i'm with you on that i think it's a solid drama i think if you can get over the kind of hipster vibe of it um you'll be able to watch it in its entirety a <laughs> lot of old wooden floors in this one a lot oh of old wooden floors. yeah it's Ed- not gonna be edison bulbs far <laughs> i can <laughs> but yeah overall a solid film and a great kind of filmic debut from jasmine bachelor as well really really good definitely yeah she did. i can't believe that's a debut performance did not feel it at all did it no, not at all. I thought it was really, yeah, it's really solid. You surprised me to tell me that that information. So, yeah, really good. So a good solid start to the movies this week. Um, moving swiftly on, we've got Occupation Rainfall. I'm not going to lie. I've got no idea what's coming at me with this one, so you better explain it. <laughs> it it's a title that has so much potential going for it, doesn't it? Like, what, what could this possibly be about? Occupation Rainfall? Well, it's actually Occupation colon rain, uh, Rainfall. It's the sequel to a... a more or less completely ignored and forgotten 2018 Australian sci-fi movie called Occupation. So it's Occupation Part 2, Rainfall, effectively. And now this, the original, took the form of a sort of uh, Red Dawn with aliens in Australia. The thing is that Australia has its own Red Dawn. It's called Tomorrow When the War Began, and it's great. That movie is great. I don't care what anyone says. I wish they'd gone ahead with the franchise but we got a crappy TV show out of it instead that wasn't mm. half as good. But anyway, so this is effectively Tomorrow When the War Began with Aliens. That's the franchise. This is now the sequel. It's years later. You know, the military's been beaten into submission. They're on their last legs. There's, uh, there's murmurs of, of a code word rainfall filtering through the uh, you know the, the, the war the of underground there is. intelligence circuit and this ties into knowledge that an alien defector has of a project known as rainfall and uh, the si- signs that they find of a specific kind of alien who represent a sort of high guard caste system and a, a, a covert op is launched a last ditch effort to save the war by launching a two man expedition to retrieve the MacGuffin that will control the flibbity blobs that will Fire off the bloopity bleep beam, and I. I uh, here you go. This is Project Rainfall. Here we go! What are they doing? 
preparing for war. I'm gonna make sure you complete your mission. What else you got? They coming at us. Full blast! Woo! Calm as you see him. Yeah, I'm still none the wiser. <laughs> It does kind of. It kind of feels a bit like. Um, did you did you have the pleasure of watching Skylines recently? It's like Skyline Three. Was no, it? no. The fact that you this, say Skyline Three as well. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is better than Skylines slash Skyline Three or Skyline Threes was, depending on how you, you title it. This is a lot better than that was. It, it does seem to be about as cheap a movie. It is a cheap to the extent of like Sci-Fi Channel budget movie. Mm. However, unlike Skylines, which looked like it was made for the sci-fi channel in terms of its production value, this is incredibly well put together. Ooh. Like, this is the best produced direct-to-DVD movie you've ever seen, <laughs> right? There are going to be VFX artists pouring over this thing for years. Because really? they've gotten away, there's so much, it's fascinating as an exercise in filming. So Luke Spark, not really a known commodity outside of these movies and a couple of other low-key supernatural horror sci-fi kind of things. There's not really a name cast to this. There's a couple of sort of, they've got a couple of names to do like one scene. So like Ken Jeong, for instance, yeah. has a couple yeah. of scenes. Jason Isaacs contributes a sort of voiceover for it. Tamara Morrison, who was in the first one as well, has a couple of sequences here and there. It's not really a, 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 a movie with recognized faces. There's a lot of reliance on computer-generated imagery, but it's incredibly well done computer-generated imagery. There is a lot of visual trickery and a lot of production jiggery-pokery, we shall say, being employed here that makes this look tremendously expensive. Do you remember that Russian sci-fi in Alien Invasion movie a few years ago, about 2016, 2017. I'm not sure if you watched Johnny Ern and I did. Yeah. And it was something that they'd made for five million quid. The Russians had made this for five million pounds. They showed us a pop video for the movie beforehand. I forget what it was called. I'll have to look this up. No, I, I, I have not guy, seen this, but I want to. <laughs> the PR guy came into the screening at Soho Screening Rooms and talked to us critics before and unveiled the theme song's music video to us. I and mean, it was completely... It was complete crap. It was like Imagine Dragons type thing. Yeah. But it was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. This is insane. I it sounds it. like he it's should have given you a shot of vodka as well in, in the lead up to it. He didn't need to. The movie was great enough. But we came away from that movie saying, like, it's amazing what these Russian production houses have come up with for five million quid. This looks better than Independence Day Resurgence, which was new at the time. And this is something, again, that looks better than Independence Day Resurgence that's clearly been made for maybe like let's conservatively say three million dollars oh wow okay and it, it looks like it doesn't feel the parts crap movie but <laughs> fascinating work of filmmaking absolutely fascinating work of filmmaking if you what if you've ever been interested in in the craft of filmmaking absolutely watch this movie if yeah. however you're interested in being entertained or observing any exercise in narrative cinema don't watch this Fair enough. So any of you auteurs that are out there, this is one for you. And for the rest of you, stay tuned, because when we come back, we'll have the big one for you. Welcome back to Offscreen. So we've brought you two big movies this week, but nothing is bigger than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Or maybe there is something bigger out there. I don't know, but Van certainly doesn't think so. Um, sure so that makes she's like five foot, I think. She's like five <laughs> foot one, maybe. I feel like Scarlett has to be about five foot one somehow. She I does look tiny. Women. I have no idea. I think she is tiny, and I think Florence Pugh is equally tiny. So uh, two, two little black widows 
ready and waiting. Queuing us up nicely, of course. So Black Widow, which is about a year and a half overdue, I want to say. This was, I know, not a year and a half, about a year and one month, I think. So maybe maybe 13, 14 months. Obviously delayed due to COVID. It was one of the biggies. It's now, it's out today on Disney Plus as a premier access, it has to be stressed. Mm. So £20 uplift in the UK. I think it's £29.99 in the US. Um, It's also available in cinemas, which is obviously where most people, I think, are going to watch this although marvel is increasingly of late finding a home for itself on disney plus with its mcu tv shows we've had mm-hmm. wandavision we've had falcon and the Winter soldier which does have a tie-in to this is worth pointing out um no spoilers but there is a there is a direct tie-in and uh, loki which uh, you know I, I watched the most recent episode this week and that is so so brilliant it's one left I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely in love with that show but this is director kate shortland uh stepping up to the uh, the mcu plate and i think lucretia martel was offered this and turned it down the famous uh story where marvel told her you don't need to know how to direct action we have we have guys for that it's, it's fine we have people that do that you just need to direct the film and tried to sort of besmirch the name of this this great big cinematic engine which is now brought to life in is this the 25th I, I want to say 25th really? Marvel movie. Wow. Okay. It is. It's a, it's around there. It is in the mid 20s by now. Blimey. I know well, that much. When is but, it? Like, since 2010, right? 2008. 2008. I think it was May 1st, 2008. I think was Iron Man in the UK. Blimey. Blimey. Oh, actually, 2010 is when we first saw Black Widow, I think. Is yes, yeah, 2010 was Black Widow's introduction in, <laughs> in Iron Man 2. Uh, I'd, I'd rather forget the movie, if I'm honest, Iron Man 2, but I'll, I'll take the Black Widow memory. Um, although, when you start to look back on that now, wow, is that problematic. Anyway, beside the point. So this is set after the events of Civil War, like literally hours after the end of Civil War, because there's obviously a time jump between captain america uh, falcon and, and those characters who became fugitives in that movie and their reintroduction in avengers infinity wars so there's a space of a couple of years mm. and that's when this movie takes place and also really serves uh, primarily as an origin story for an important new piece of the marvel cinematic universe that awful blonde dye job that scarlett johansson has in infinity war and the weird haircut i'm kidding i'm kidding there are other things that are interesting. So, on the run, the Black Widow returns to uh, her former stomping grounds in Budapest, which you have heard or, mentioned. Or, or Budapest. Budapest, <laughs> as we are told, yeah. This is it. She sent, uh, she sent a package out of the blue that leads her to basically re- retrace her former stomp, her steps on her former stomping grounds in Budapest, finds herself being drawn back into the world of the Black Widow program, the espionage program run out of the former Soviet Union that created her to begin with. It's going to reunite her with her estranged family. It's going to put her on, on square into the crosshairs of not only an old enemy, but a mysterious and deadly new one as well. It's going to keep her in the crosshairs of the US government who is tracking her down simultaneously in all of this and it might just help her find her place in the world but before then here's a car chase okay you got a plan or shall I just stay duck and cover my plan was to drive us away well your plan sucks Well, I like Natasha Romanoff. I like Black Widow, and I like this film. I like her because mm. she's an Avenger that hasn't got superpowers. She's just really skilled, 
And I think that's really appealing to watch from like a female perspective. I think she's quite a good um, character to have on screen. And this is a very female-led movie. This is her and Florence Pugh, who is her estranged sister, who reconnects pretty quickly in this movie. And it kind of... Reconnects fist to face, I think. (laughs) I mean, there was quite a... The the, the fight scene that kind of introduces the pair of them to each other or reintroduces them to each other is pretty impressive. Um, You can't give it to her, actually. We knew from fighting with my family that Florence Pugh could handle the actual... the, the, the fight mechanics of something like wrestling. But seeing her do the Black Widow stuff is... She's actually really impressive. Yeah, and again, you know, you know how much I love Florence Pugh. She's proving herself to be an indie darling, a mega Marvel babe. You know, she can kind of do it all. There's loads that's going on with with Florence Pugh, an Oscar contender. You know, it's well, you can see, you can argue that she is following the template of Scarlett Johansson in yeah. that way, in being yeah. the sort of indie darling who does cross over to big Hollywood movies. That kind of is the the Scarlett Johansson model, isn't it? Yeah, and the chemistry between them is fantastic. I really love highlights. This- yeah, absolute highlight. And I really loved David Harbour in this movie as well. He, <laughs> That's it, isn't it? I... Yeah, he, he has to bring the laughs, right? Because Marvel, the thing that Marvel does really well that I always think DC falters on is that DC's so brooding and, you know, it doesn't quite hit the notes very well. And normally Marvel's got some real slapstick style laugh out loud moments this not so much but when it does drop it in it comes from david harbour um and 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 the occasional moment from florence Pugh as well but mostly from david harbour i do think you what you've touched on there is is the, the family dynamic is the real selling point of black yeah. widow now i just want to say like and before i get to it, i mean just want to say the film on a whole like me as the you know died in the world marvel guy I didn't love the film for me it sits kind of it, it's kind of like on that Captain Marvel level for me, where it's like, this is fine for sort of just below the middle of the spectrum. But other than that, I don't particularly feel like I'm seeing anything I haven't already seen. And in particular, because this takes place within the human side of the MCU, which is to say, there are sort of superpowers, but they're kind of man-made powers. Mm. You know what I mean? They're they're like super soldier serums and things like that. It's not really like Thor and Hulk and things like that. I just think her her ability to not have vertigo, she does a lot of things (laughs) high up. I think that's that's the main thing. I think Scarlett Johansson's true... Black Widow's real superpower will always be her ability to instantaneously lose her Russian accent. (laughs) You know, that's that's what it is. And and apparently, you know, I think Florence Pugh picks it up here and there as well. It's worth pointing out. But I think outside of that that sort of the ordinary side of this because a lot of it is sort of repeated material from for instance agents of shield which a lot of marvel fans have watched if you've watched that you've you know seen and even if you haven't it's been done in the movies because that tends to be what the captain america movies are for or the ant-man movies yeah in particular as well which again a little bit more science fiction but still human-ish what makes this work though are the character moments. It's not an especially well-directed movie, it's not an especially action-packed or thrilling movie, but it's a very likeable movie in those character moments, and it is creating that sitcom archetype of Natasha as the central figure. You've then got a sort of John Goodman-ish dad figure. Mm. You've got a sort of, you know, the the smart mum figure in in Rachel Weisz, and then you've got the sort of bratty teen sister. You've got your Dawn Summers in Florence Pugh, and that that works. That's the film's selling point. When it's the family, or even just Florence Pugh and Scarlett Hansen, this movie can't be beaten. The problem is, there's not enough of that for me, but at the same time, there's, it's not like it's being overtaken by action either, because there's only really like three big action beats in this. Like. Yeah, and and do you know what? They're welcome 
when they mm. come in, they're very welcome, and you kind of go, "Oh, I needed this." Um, but do you know what? This is that that lack of continuous action is actually yeah. what is going to be its plus point when it's on streaming, because you're not going to feel like you're going to be like, "I need to see it on the big screen because of all the action." It's not, that's another that's yeah. another problem I think working against it and I think the the unfortunate nature of covid delays because obviously this can't be helped obviously but I think that is going to hinder it in, as far as expectations go if this had opened a year or so ago I think it will be received better by fans mm. than it would be right now particularly after Falcon and the Winter Soldier right. because it is it's quite well documented because of one specific character that this has to be set before Falcon yeah. and the Winter Soldier yeah. like years before Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah and yeah because that series exists and has shown us certain things and again that series takes place the in this human off. yeah this you know and that show as well took place in the human part of the MCU mm. like this does and again you've kind of seen it done better but this feels very very in line with that as far as we'd watch this on streaming I feel like if you chop this down to a three part Disney Plus series it would have worked exactly as well yeah yeah, but you know what? For someone who isn't an aficionado in the world of Marvel, I would say I enjoyed this much more than Captain Marvel. So it sits above that for me. I think you're right. The family dynamic in it works a treat. You, they've got the right little dose of humour, just enough en- um, action to keep you entertained and a story that you can easily follow, which I, you know, I've said this before, sometimes with the big you know, ensemble Avengers movies, I don't know who's, who's doing what at what point. This is a very simple linear storyline to follow, mm. and for me that really works. So, yeah, it's a very it, 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 it's a, a comfortable, a very competent Marvel movie. That was the thing as well for me, uh, taking it outside of the Marvel equation, just taking it as a female-led spy thriller action movie. Didn't think you're not as rough as Atomic Blonde. You're too silly to be Red Sparrow. You you know you're you're not as cool or as or as you know intriguing as Alias or anything in the JJ Abrams canon and you're not as slick as for instance the female driven parts of the Mission Impossible franchise. I, I did think it, it it does feel like if this had come out when it was actually set which is in 2016 it would have bypassed a lot of much better female-driven spy fodder. It just feels like really weak. I mean, particularly because there's no sense of weight or gravity to it. Like, she's flipping off buildings and, and things mm. and, you know, landing on a tiptoe. I think we, we laughed in the screening at one point when she literally fell off a building and kept smacking off air vents and then literally gets up holding her side like yes. she's just, like, knocked herself yeah. on the coffee table. And you're like, oh, come on. I know it's Marvel, but c- come on. Yeah. I mean, Rhodey's paralysed and he's but you know we understand he has to have the apparatus to walk around there are human consequences to this let's not get silly now yeah fair enough fair enough but guys go see it go watch it make up your own mind and we'd of course as ever we'd love to know what you think welcome back to off screen and we're going to keep you on the couch now for some cinematic fun on telly so looking at movies on freeview for the next seven days miss perfect shall we start well let's start tomorrow on saturday the 10th of july with jumanji on channel five at 20 past three it's it's the original and could you say the best is it the original 
first, do you think? Yeah, for for, for, for kids of our age, <laughs> I think it is. Like, this is the movie where you kind of go, ooh, I'd like to try Jumanji. Imagine what happens if we actually buy the board game, which obviously the studios are going to bring out as part of their marketing. <laughs> Could we be transported and find Robin Williams and Kirsten Dunst in a whole other world? You know what? For me, I really love this movie. Um I love it and I do love what they've done with the reboot I think they've done mm. the reboot really well it's revisited pays homage to it but nothing beats the original does it that's the thing though I mean the, obviously the new movies work because they are you know reboot calls not remakes and yeah. that was the thing no one wanted Jumanji remaking it's sacred to too many of us so you know don't hands off our Jumanji yeah. you know, belongs belongs to the Robin Williams estate as far as we're concerned but thankfully Dwayne Johnson is a kind and dutiful caretaker so uh, the first movie in which uh, Robin Williams stars as Alan Parrish, the bullied, put-upon son of the sort of town, the sort of town rich guy, really, mm. owns the local shoe factory, plays the uh, the video game of the title with the girl he has a crush on, junior high, who just can't make the move on, and then he gets sucked into the board game where he's stuck for three decades until his house is, you know, passed away and sold on, uh, and he's sold to um, a, a, a new a new to town realtor played by Bebe Newarth and her niece and nephew recently orphaned kids played by Kirsten Dunst and I forget the little boy's name but they find the game unearth all of the horrors locked within and along with returning Alan Parrish to the real world well, they bring the board game along with him. It's a hoot. No, it's from the director of uh, Captain America, isn't it? Joe Johnson doing yeah. The Rocketeer. Oh, yes. One of my favourite films, Rocketeer. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, look, guys, you know how much you love Jumanji. You know how much we love Jumanji. I mean, there's not much more we can say about it. It's yeah. on Channel 5. It's on perfect timing on a Saturday, 3.30 in the afternoon. So if you have little ones in tow that are old enough to watch something like this without getting too scared, introduce them to it. It's a great opportunity. I think Jumanji's pretty good on the, the scare scale, because like, it is a PG. It, yeah. Because it's, it's, obviously I've, I've had to deal with ratings a lot this week, but um, I think for, as far as PGs go, this is a pretty good soft level one. But on then to one that I think was a 12A actually, Sunday the 11th on Channel 5, 8pm. This is a lovely twee little film to oh. wind down your weekend with, ain't it, Vex? This is this is one for the grey pound, but also for us who just enjoy a lovely, as you say, twee film. This is um, the best exotic Marigold Hotel. It's on Channel 5 at 8pm on Sunday. A perfect Sunday movie for you. It follows a number of British retirees who you will recognise because they're all stalwart oh, all British actors. Yeah. <laughs> and they all travel to India to take up residence in what they believe is going to be a newly restored hotel. Um, however, when they get there, they realise it's less luxurious than it was advertised and but in its own way it still manages to charm them which is what i love is it is it dev patel who runs yes. the hotel it is dev patel yeah yeah I, I really like this one i actually didn't mind the sequel either and i think somewhere on the schedule i think it might be the following night it might be on monday night i think somewhere on telly is the second best exotic miracle both of which. so you can watch both this week yeah. yeah and i have to say for a sequel and a follow-up it's equally as charming i mean look the first one you've got judy dench you've got tom wilkinson you've got um bill Nye, penelope wilton maggie smith in this mm. i mean god it's yeah, and 
of course, um, Dev Patel somewhere in this. I'm pretty sure he is in the first. Yeah, he is. He's Sonny Kapoor in this, of course. Yeah, and, and he's in the sequel. And in the sequel, you get the the added sexiness of Colin Firth oh, coming yeah. in there. Oh, he's the, he's the young stud on the scene in the sequel, <laughs> middle aged Colin Firth. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of young studs, let's talk about Eminem's cinematic debut for Monday night, ITV for ten past eleven. This is one that you know, it's a bit rebellious. What's you know, you should go to bed, but. I'll watch five minutes of Eight Mile. Next thing you know, it's near one o'clock in the morning. You're getting to that point. You know, uh, lose yourselves about to get performed. You think, I can't possibly sleep before I hear about mom's spaghetti. And the whole <laughs> night's gone. But you know what? At least it was gone for, for you know a movie that did win the Academy Award for Best Original Song. How much do you like Eight Mile? I love it. I really love it. Um, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, and it kind of, for me, it's kind of, it harks me back to... I had really fun times like with uh, my old housemate at uni. Like every time his girlfriend would come and visit, they'd go and sit. What, in their no, 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 I wish. Oh. Um, they'd go and sit in their room and watch 8 Mile and not share it with any of us. We were like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a really fun movie that, um, well, sorry, fun in the respect well, fun, that fun, I have fun that, memories. It? It's not that fun a movie. Um, it, it's, do you know what? It's like, it's a one hit wonder for, for old Eminem though. Like he was so good in this. Why did he, he watch? There was there was low key awards chatter around him when the movie was sort of pressuring because yeah. I think critics in particular were blown away because nobody expected anything exactly. acting wise from you know Slim Shady nobody expected the thing and then the movie when it started to get screened at festivals and things like that started getting comparisons to Rocky people said like the best side of Rocky. And you're like, yeah. okay, interesting. In fact, the only film I can think of in recent years that's compared to Eight Mile in terms of the buzz it garnered is also another musical one that came out of festivals in the last few years. And that was Bradley Cooper's A Star Is Born. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, the buzz around them was very, very similar, yeah. actually. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Eight Mile worth checking out but on to a movie I know was a decent hit did get some awards love deservedly so and still ranks as I think the best thing ever shot and shown in 3D and the best thing ever put on an IMAX screen Tuesday night BBC One 8.35 Bex tell us about Gravity well, gravity. I'm I'm a bit nervous that we've put this on our list because I don't. I want you to have the best impact with it, and having it on a small screen doesn't always work. Um, because I completely agree with Van. This is your worst nightmare being played out on the screen. So you are lost in space, but literally you are somersaulting away in space and thinking I ain't going to come back from this I don't know how I'm going to do it and that is the problem that Sandra Bullock faces Houston in the blind to confirm mission specialist Dr. Stone and mission commander Matthew Kowalski are the sole survivors of the SDS 157 I apologize for not complying I should have stopped working as soon as he instructed me to we were going to get hit no matter what there's nothing you could do to change that Yes. All right. We have to make our way to the space station. Over there. It's a bit of a hike. We need to use their escape pod, the Soyuz, to get back to Earth. I love this one. I mean, I how? I mean, anything with Clooney in anyway. But so on to because uh, we've already mentioned Rocky once this conversation. So let's let's go to uh, Paramount. Let's go to the Paramount Network. Nine p.m. on Wednesday night. You're a Creed fan, aren't you? 
100% because I was actually really worried when this first came out because I was like mm. oh what are they going to do with the Rocky franchise and it always is a worry <laughs> of, of such a, a loved franchise yeah. and they nailed it Michael B. Jordan, did, you know, like bringing it back, um, you know, it spawned its own kind of, you know, universe in itself and, and, and it's this fantastic. Was, this was Ryan Coogler, wasn't it? This was his yeah. last film before Black Panther. Yeah. I think yeah. because obviously that's why Michael pa- Michael B. Jordan starts on Fruitvale Station with him, moves across to Creed, and then goes with him to uh, Black Panther as well. So, tell you what, knowing Ryan Coogler has been uh, very good for Michael B. Jordan's career. Yeah. But uh, uh, Creed, which. I'll make an argument that you, uh, the sequel could potentially be even better, in my opinion. But one movie for which the sequels are certainly not better, but they are more amusingly titled, is Dark Man, which is on Thursday night, uh, the 15th of July at 9pm on Great Movies. You and I have talked about this one before, Bex. This is the one Sam Raimi made when he couldn't get the rights to, I think it was The Shadow or Batman. Uh, yes, and I'm he, looking he at it now. He just invented his own, and he's Dr. Peyton Westlake, played by Liam Neeson. The love interest is Frances McDormand, and she's about 25 in this as well, wow. so it's really strange in like a sort of, you know, young, almost college-age Frances McDormand. And um, he is the scientist who's, I think he's attempting to regenerate human skin. He's like trying to create artificial skin for like skin grafts and things. Gets blown up in a warehouse explosion by an evil gangster named Durant, played by Larry Drake, I think. And um, he he's now disfigured, but he has the ability, using his artificial skin, to impersonate anybody. But of course, he has a sensitivity to light. He also has superhuman strength because all of his nerves were fried. Don't know how that works, but... It, you know, comic book logic. It's a good movie. It, it's it's pretty fun. Liam Neeson's quite good in it. Very melodramatic. Very Hammer horror. Yeah, I've just been oh, looking you, at the photos of it, and I'm just yeah. like, I was like, I want to see a young Francis McDormand as a romantic lead, um, a love interest in this. But also, oh my goodness, the makeup in this is uh, oh, yeah. it's quite something. So if you're Sam Raimi, isn't it? Yeah, you're a big what, you fan of Sam practical effects and and seeing what they do with this uh, with like prosthetics and stuff. This is this is the movie to go and watch on a Thursday night. So that's on great movies at nine o'clock on Thursday, which is just fantastic. Now finishing off the week. Um, on Friday is uh, I quite like this film it's on BBC One at 10.35pm it's A Simple Favour which stars Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick and I I didn't watch this until a long time after it came out and it 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 kind of, there was a lot of kind of um, sort of buddiness between the two actresses um, as mm. they were promoting this and it was all quite mysterious and stuff and I thought you know what it was quite a fun little movie do you want to take us through the synopsis of this? Yes, this is this stars um, Anna, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are two very very different mothers. Mm. So Anna Kendrick is more the homely one, presents a sort of mom's YouTube cookery kind of show. Yeah, and Blake Lively is more the high flying tycoon career woman. And the the gen- she, she's also kind of mysterious and a little weird and edgy and cool at the same time. And she asks uh, Anna uh, Anna Kendrick. I would keep going to say Anna Faris. Very different movie if it's Anna Faris. <laughs> she asks a simple favor. Look at after the kid. She then yeah. disappears. So Blake Lively then vanishes, and a Kendrick's got the kid. Uh, Blake Lively's husband, played by ooh, who else but the honkiness that is, Henry Golding, um, then launches this this quest to try and find out what happened to his wife, Anna Kendrick, in tow. It's but got a bit gongo. Uh, all a bit gongo, but the more they discover about her disappearance, the more they discover about her, and the more they discover about her, the less it turns out they know about her. 
to drink? I need a martini. Oh, uh, yeah, I like martinis. I haven't had one in a, a long time. They're good, though. I had one that was, like, mostly chocolate, and I was like, alcohol and chocolate. <laughs> Mom life. Oh, okay. No play date. Come on, kid, let's go. Then I'm staying here. I think I could use some backup. That's me? I'm backup? Does your kid drink? Maybe? I mean, it's never too early to, to start teaching I him. think you're joking, but... Great. There is this kind of like post Gossip Girl Serena mm. Vanderwoodson kind of feel with Blake Lively yeah, and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Anna Kendrick is as ever, you know, trying to be the cool girl, but she's just she's kind of like quirky and and different. And I, I just think it works really well. So it's a good solid movie. I think for because you and I love a sexy psycho thriller from the nineties. Yeah. I think as far as a contemporary update on that goes, this is a pretty good one. And to be fair, having Paul Feig directing it, who traditionally does comedies, and I think this was his first one post Ghostbusters. It does suggest that he is looking for to do something like that because yeah. I, he wouldn't. I don't think he would do this straight faced. I think he's doing this to make that point. I think he is doing this to do something subversive, and I think it's got enough bite to pull that off to earn yeah. that distinction. So I do think it is quite good. Definitely worth checking out on a Friday night, and Absolutely. definitely on the right time as well. It's a fun Friday night movie. So look, you guys have lots of choice uh, to keep you on the couch this week. Uh, my pick would definitely be Gravity see what it's like on the uh, on the small screen but coming up next it's going to be all available for you on streaming Welcome back to Off Screen for One Last Ride. And of course, there's nothing on DVD or Blu-ray this week, Bex, because, well, we did have a pandemic for like, well, we still have a pandemic. What am I on about? You know, we still have a pandemic. We ran out of films. Okay, we, Don't we can you only start the whole Boris. We, we're getting rid of every restriction, so we're getting rid of DVDs <laughs> as well. Come on now. <laughs> hey, I was a good boy this morning. I sat there with my mask on in the cinema the whole time. I, I, I had no one else in the cinema with me, so I took mine off. So I think uh, I'm all right. I think I can get away with that. <laughs> well, anyway, because there's nothing on DVD or Blu-ray, we're going to have to focus entirely on streaming. There is one movie. Now, I've not seen this, and I've had a screen link for it for ages, and I feel bad because I've not got around to watching it. And it looked really good. Like a sort of trashy thriller that actually you and I both kind of like. Do you remember, speaking of, we just spoke about Blake Lively yeah. in uh, uh, Simple Favour. Do you remember uh, The Shallows? Yes. What would you say if I told you there is a film that is basically the shallows in the sky. Can it happen? It kind it of can. Happens. It's called Horizon Line, okay. and it stars Alison Williams from Girls and Get Out. And she's she's the oh, like female her. half. She's the female half of a couple who are on a private plane ride when the pilot, I think, has a heart attack. And these two random people with a broken radio, because you know the radio's got to get destroyed or whatever in the in the ensuing you know heart attacky bit have to keep this plane in the sky they can't fly it they can't land it fuel's running out what are they gonna do all they can do is keep it on the horizon line and that's gonna be on amazon prime from wednesday the 14th so i'm i'm looking forward to watching this sounds like the kind of fun gormless thriller that i absolutely love and it does lead us nicely to another fun gormless thriller that's dropping on netflix next friday one of three films next friday and i know you'll probably have seen this one and this was crawl from a few years ago I need to I need to refresh and see if I have seen I mean start describing this to me and I'm going to see if I'm Oh Kaiosco Kaiosco, yeah I yeah no do you know what I haven't seen this I haven't no. seen it because I don't think there was a screening for it because I remember yeah. chasing or yeah I remember chasing for the screening and they were like no no we're not screening this one and I was like oh that good is it <laughs> 
<laughs> Why do they do that? I've never understood. They do that, and they always say things. I remember them doing it with, with me and, and Jigsaw, and I was like, please, I, I know you think it's terrible and it's going to get bad reviews, but I promise you the one person on Earth who's not going to give a Saw movie a truly terrible review is me. Like, yeah. even Spiral recently, I, I did, like, say, this, like, at, at best, it's fine. It's fine, yeah. Like, yeah. But no, but I crawl. Yeah, Crawl was Caius Godelario in a flooded basement being hunted by crocodiles or alligators, I forget which, with her injured father and dog in tow. Bloody good fun, this one. I can't recommend this one. I'll just whack this on come Friday on Netflix. You'll have a blast. This is great fun. Down here. Okay, hold on. Don't move. Hold on. Yeah. Come here, Pete. Need your coffee. Pete, you hear that? Also, this is you know, sticking with the, the good fun spirit. Something a bit more in the vein of a of a tween comedy, we shall say. But tween comedy with a difference. This one comes from the House of Apatow, and it's R rated. It's Good Boys. Did you uh, did you have the yeah, pleasure uh, of seeing? Good Boys? Uh, I did. I did have the the utmost pleasure of seeing this. Um, uh, this has got Jacob Tremblay in it. Um, it's it's kind of. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's good boys gone bad, you know? These guys are foul-mouthed. They are they are tweens with, you know, real attitude. And blimey, it makes for a funny film, doesn't it? It, it does. It, it effectively is super bad for, uh, like, 12 or 13-year-old yeah. boys. And I mean, it all starts with them accidentally obtaining a bag of drugs from the sort of hot girl babysitter neighbour that they have and a sort of drug whole exchange. issue with a drone and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that, that all quickly, you know, snowballs from there. Put the drone on the slide and count back from 100 and close your eyes and don't try anything funny. There are witnesses. Okay. We have a long drive ahead of us, so give us the bag or I will hurt you. Do not test me. Drugs will get you nowhere, peasant. Just give us the f***ing Molly! Okay, who's Molly? Because she's not with us. Ah, nice. Molly is a sex drug. Dateline did an expose on it. You had us bring drugs to a f***ing playground? There are children here! Do, do you know what? It's like that. That's a great clip because it's like, <laughs> who's Molly? Where is she? And it's just their naivety, yet trying yeah. to be so mature by just using swear words the whole time. You're right in saying that it is like super bad for for tweens. That kind of is it. I'm surprised that this didn't do better at the box hmm. office, and I'm surprised that it didn't kind of spawn at least a sequel or something from it. Um, there's not as much chatter about this as I think it deserves. I think it's now going where it really belongs. I think Good yeah. Boys on Netflix will turn out to turn out to be quite a highly watched thing. I think once it starts, because once it's on Netflix, it's going to start with the heavily with the associations with other Apatow films, and yeah. you will find it like recommended when you when you like queue up super bad and things like that. And I think it's going to find its audience very quickly. Mm. I think Jacob Tremblay is the real discovery in this. To be yeah. honest, he's a lot better at foul mouth comedy than I would have expected. I, I find Jacob Tremblay an incredibly watchable presence. Anyway, he did a really great episode of Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone uh, with John Cho a couple of years ago that I, I still think is one of the best episodes of that series. Um, and, and there's just there's a great supporting cast around him, but it's just a fun film. It's not groundbreaking or anything. No. It's 
just super bad with different kids, just younger kids. And uh, yeah. there's the obvious gag of them cursing. But, you know, it's a hard sell, I think, as a theatrical property. Yeah, it is. But I hope, I hope as you predict, that it, it does mm. find some sort of fan base um, of its own on, on Netflix. I think it is where it deserves to be. And... Go and enjoy it. Go and seek it out. If you haven't seen it before, go and actively seek it out. You won't be disappointed. If you've got a Netflix subscription, it's not going to cost you nothing. No, exactly. Speaking of things that are going to cost you absolutely nothing on Netflix, next Friday sees the conclusion. We will talk about this like properly next week because obviously we've been we mentioned it briefly last week. Next week it finishes Fear Street, yeah. which today from today you can see the second of these three movies uh, made by Lee Janiak. Uh, the first one was Fear Street 1994. The second one that comes out today is Fear Street 1978, and then we've got next week on Friday the 16th on Netflix is Fear Street 1666. So you can sort of take this in an American horror story kind of way where there's mm. different different eras telling a similar story or you can take it as one confined trilogy of films because the first movie in, despite being set in the 90s is sort of the present day point of the series and that yeah. story continues as a framing device for parts two and three the first one is like Stranger Things but are but like 18 yeah. 18 rated like a hard R rated Stranger Things the second one sort of foregoes the Nine Inch Nails and the Nirvana and the shopping malls and the Doc Martens and goes back to like 1978 summer camp and it's more of an old school Friday the 13th style slasher movie that introduces Gillian Jacobs from Community into the the mix in the 90s section and also brings you like a fresh crop of like you know hot and sexy teens who are clearly 10 years older than the characters they're playing being picked off one by one you know each time whilst in the throes of, you know, passionate, uh, unsafe lovemaking on wooden surfaces because it's a 1970s summer camp setting. Of course it is. Of course. Can't wait to see if they pull it off. I don't actually, I want to know because so much of the joy of the film comes from the setting and the atmosphere and the soundtrack and things like that. A hell of a soundtrack to both the first two parts. I've not seen the third yet, but I'm wondering how well this works without that soundtrack to really keep your nostalgia buzz. You know, you know to keep, that, keep the blood pumping. I'm just so excited to see this just generally. Um, like, mm. Uh, my, my, unfortunately, my, my my other half is is a bit of a scaredy cat with horror movies, so oh, I have to goodness. I have to go and watch it on my own, and that's not easy when when the football's on, uh, which is <laughs> what the situation has generally been. Uh, but, but I will find some time for this because it sounds right up my street. What was that? What was that Dave Batista movie that was Die Hard at Wembley Stadium? Do, do you remember that one? It was a couple of years ago. Uh, Dave Batista did Die Hard. He was at a football ground. A British no football ground. It was complete crap. But but you know what? You had to love the novelty of Dave Batista is legit doing Die Hard yeah. in a football ground. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I think there's a, a good cop. Then we'll talk more about Fear Street next week when we can actually have seen the trilogy. Yeah. Um, I think I think horror fans are going to be absolutely in their element with it. I think the second part's even better than the first, personally. I'm trepidatious about the third and final part because, like I say, so much of it is built on this period setting that I feel like taking it all the way back to where they are is going to. Oh, be- but I love a good. Mm. I love a good witch trial. I, I know, that's the thing, isn't it? It looks properly creepy. I can't <laughs> wait. But uh, alas, you know, that's that's all we have time for this week, at least. Yeah, it, it is indeed. But do you know what? We're going to have 
big movies coming your way next week. We've got The Forever Purge and we've got Space Jam Legacy, is it? Space Jam Legacy? I can't remember. I, used to, I think it's Space Jam A New Legacy. I'm quite disappointed legacy. in the marketing for this. It seems like a very subdued yeah. Space Jam sequel, doesn't it? Like, you know, you and I were te- like tweens. I think we were tweens when the first one came out. Yeah. Like, where's, where's my big manic displays? Where's the energy that was put into the marketing? Where's in Michael 96? Jordan? Come on. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently he is cameoing it, apparently. I would do. Oh, okay, good. That'll be a good one from the nostalgia. A Space Jam sequel from, produced by the director of Black Panther and directed by the guy who gave us Think Like a Man and Think Like a Man 2. What could possibly what go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Well, listen, guys, we will take you through a rip-roaring ride of Space Jam and the Purge Forever the Purge Forever or whatever it's called semi-permanent um, purge yeah. another purge basically um, so we will see you again next week but for now I've been Bex Perfect I've been Van Connor and we shall return Bex Perfect 